Oh boy. <sighs> yep, great. Started it with a nice smile. Thank you. I'll do what I can. Good morning, everyone. We are officially getting ready to start Sunday school. Um, waiting for the 9.30 signal to go off. But we welcome you to join us right now. Hey, Jackie, good morning. Okay, it is 9.30. Good morning. Welcome to Sunday School, uh, Akron Alliance Fellowship Church. Thanks for being here for another Sunday with us. You've been doing this all year long online. Um, good morning, Marnell. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get started, and first with the praise music portion of the uh, program to allow people to get on and join us. Um, it's actually from um, probably a pretty, pretty familiar artist, Jonathan Butler, uh, put together a CD, I guess, called The Worship Project. The name of the song is uh, That's, what we, That's Why We Praise Him. So I'm going to play that right now and allow people to get on. Thanks for being here this morning. Yeah. 
Jonathan Butler, for those of you who are fans of 107.3 The Wave, that's been off the air now for a couple of years. Um, that's uh, He is a smooth jazz artist, but he also did a apparently a CD on worship, uh, the Worship Project, and the name of the song again was That's Why We Praise Him. So um, make a note of that. Uh, it's a, that's a pretty nice, uh, a nice uh, rendition of that version. We, will, we appreciate you being here this morning. Uh, we have a little bit of business to cover. Thanks again for being here. Um, of course, uh, it's really important for us to continue to focus on uh, the Lord Jesus Christ through all the things that are happening. I don't care what's going on on TV. I don't care what's going on in, in the world today. We need to focus on him. And that is why we're here this morning and gathering and getting together to discuss that very thing. Okay, matter of business. First of all, uh, we will be outside today at church. We are uh, the temperature, the game time temperature at church at about 11 o'clock is going to be Clear skies, 62 degrees. That's pretty good for November. Um, we made the call. The call was made yesterday. Uh, Pastor Gus made the call to uh, go ahead and uh, have church outside today. And I know that that's been probably it's going to be very beneficial for people uh, to uh, want to try to get out and enjoy the weather as well as enjoy uh, what God's word is. Um, the um, there have been people who have been obviously reluctant to go back into the building, and we understand that completely, uh, given this time. Um, but now you have a chance to meet with us outside, so please do so. Uh, about 11 o'clock, uh, if you dress accordingly, clear in 62 degrees. I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot of wind. I don't think so. Um, but but make sure that you dress accordingly. Bring your, bring your sunglasses, because I think it's going to be clear and sunny. Um, and also bring your lawn chairs if you want to sit outside. Um, that's going to be fun. It'll be nice to do that. Uh, we look forward to that today. It's always nice to be outside and we can enjoy nice weather. Um, maybe doing that going forward, you know. Uh, um, it just makes a lot of sense to do that. Enjoy the, enjoy each other's company that way. 
still have to practice uh, social distancing, still have to wear your masks or face coverings. Um, there's a little bit more leniency though when you're outside, so you just need to make sure that those masks and face coverings are on you when you are within six feet of someone. The, um, but you can take a deep breath and enjoy the weather uh, when you're not in that situation, so please do so. Um, it'll be in the back parking lot area, and they'll be setting up, I, I imagine, for the praise team to be back there as well, too. Look forward to seeing you if you're in Akron. Uh, if you are not able to come, we will be broadcasting the uh, uh, church service on Facebook Live right here. So look for us about 11 o'clock to do that. Tithes and offerings, please remember those. Um, and, uh, Brother Fry just jumped on, so and he, he would probably be giving me that reminder anyway to tell you that. Um, remember your tithes and offerings. If you are uh, coming to church, I'm going to guess that the offering box is going to be outside the church uh, as you go through past the front entrance area. So by all means, make a note of that. Um, if you are mailing your tithes or offerings, uh, the, the address is Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. Uh, we um, uh, welcome your tithes and offerings. We don't want to ever let up on that. We want to keep those things going um, to make sure that everything is running efficiently at the church. Pastor Gus will be speaking today. Look forward to that very much with you uh, this morning. Okay, the theme uh, that we've been covering, uh, you might have noticed we were covering the book of Ephesians. We started that uh, last Sunday, and it was a very, very good study. It's going to be a great study, in fact. There's about nine lessons in this that I've broken down. Uh, this is number two. We're still in chapter one, and the theme has been, and will continue to be, at least for the next few less lessons, um, Unity in Christ. Um, so we're going to look at unity in Christ. And, you know, one thing that this world specializes in or, or gives us a lot of messages is that there is a lot of disunity. And interestingly enough, there's a lot of disunity within the body of Christ, um, which should never be. Uh, that's something that is inherent upon this being a world where we, a lot of fleshly desires and fleshly behaviors are manifested so we want to make sure that we are doing anything but, you know, causing dis, anything but, you know, causing disunity. We want to make sure that we are unified in the body, unified in body, soul, and mind when it comes to the worship and praise of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to go ahead and get started with a word of prayer, and we want to make sure that uh, all of you are just making sure, sure that you're quieting yourselves and allowing the Spirit to speak to you. Amen. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you just now quiet our souls, quiet our spirits, help us to be able to focus on your teaching. Allow us just to relax and not anything get in the way right now, Lord. We know there are many distractions that have taken place in this world today. You can look, you go to and fro and you see so many different things that are just contrary to your teaching and where you would have us to be. And Lord, we just pray that you help us to refocus upon you right now and just give everything we have to hear what you're saying to us through uh, the words of the text that we'll be covering this morning. We thank you for your very presence. We thank you that you are always Lord, no matter what is going on, no matter what is happening. And Lord, we've been through some kind of a year this year. And Lord, while it is certainly not hopeless, we are hopeful that you will continue to 
manifest yourself and show yourself to each and every one of us through actions, through words, through the very things that we see. We thank you again for all that you have done for us and all that you will continue to do and all that you will do for us in the future. We give you thanks and give you all the praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, we are, please turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Ephesians chapter 1. We're covering nine verses today. Nine verses. Good morning, Glenda. Thanks for being here. Um, But the content in these nine verses is very rich. There's a lot of material in here that we'll be looking at. And we want to be very deliberate when we look at these texts. Sometimes it's good to just cover nine verses, uh, making sure that we get the content and get the meaning of the content as clearly as possible. Um, The theme of today's message uh, in the text here is Thanksgiving and Prayer. And it's almost like a prelude to Thanksgiving. Uh, it's a, um, there are reasons to be thankful. You may not necessarily uh, want to be thankful or feel like you should be thankful at any point in time, given life circumstances. But if you really look at it from the totality of God's goodness and his sovereignty and all the things that have taken place, we have reasons to be thankful And we have reasons to be prayerful. So let's go ahead and look at this passage. Um, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, which I've I've been pulling and using because it's a readable text. Um, Please follow along in your own version. Starting with Ephesians uh, 1, verse 15. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Verse 19. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who might us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power, or leader, or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Verse 22, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Now, just as a reminder, also from last week, this was a letter that was written for, I would say, it's written for the Ephesians for sure, because the Ephesians were included in the text in the beginning, but it literally could have been any church. This is a a letter, a general letter to a church, and it could be any church. Um, It could be our church. 
It could be any church in Akron, for that matter. Uh, it was that type of a letter. The letter was where it could be changed, where it was the church of. And instead of the church of Ephesus, it could be the church of somewhere else. Because it's a very general statement that's being made here. Chapter 1 uh, represents uh, all of this when we're talking about communicating Jesus communicating with the church. And this particular letter, you'll notice there's no direct communication with issues that the church may have. Like we ran into in the book of Galatians, where there was a very direct statement being made to the Galatian church and the Galatian people of the church to stay stand firm in Christ and not be um, uh, bamboozled or or anything when it comes to the Judaizers and trying to convince them that they had to be circumcised in order for them to recognize Jesus Christ. That was not a requirement. And because Christ is the new law, that was not necessary. Uh, but getting back to what I was saying, this is a general letter. So this is a letter that's going to any one of us, but it was written for the church of Ephesus. And we recognize that Ephesus was a very, very important part of the Roman Empire. It was a very central area of trade. It was reaching a lot of people. It was addressing a lot of issues regarding their faith. They had to overcome pagans. A lot of paganism was taking place then. So we want to make sure that those believers, and that those believers, when we look at this letter, is about giving them people wisdom, giving them understanding. So let's kind of go over the text a little bit and get more into that. So first of all, the emphasis, of course, when Paul is speaking to them and writing this letter saying he has not stopped thanking God for them, back in verse 16, and praying for them constantly. Um, and he was, and it says in verse 17, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Now, who would not want that for anyone? We want people to be smarter and have an increase in wisdom and knowledge when it comes to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. They want, he wanted, Paul wanted the believers to get to know God better. We all have a place where we know who God is and we understand that. We had a very, very small amount of knowledge, frankly, when we became believers in the Lord Jesus Christ at an early age. But since that time, we have been instructed and we are uh, reminded over and over again about uh, making sure that we are getting to know him better. Now, if you want to know a person, if you want to know any individual, if you want to develop a friendship with someone, you've got to spend some time with that person. You can't, you can't just be on Facebook going back and forth and texting each other or sending messages that way. It's going to require more face-to-face -face time. It's going to require more uh, conversation with the person. It's going to require you to learn more about what they like, what they don't like. And, you know, there's obviously a, a huge difference between being a Facebook friend and a real friend. Uh, a real friend is a person who you have contact with individually. Of course, you keep in touch online if you need to. But our bottom line is if you really want to get to know somebody, there's no shortcut. You've got to spend some time with them. Same thing holds true for God. You have to spend time with God. Uh, one of my future sermons is going to talk about how we as believers need to make sure that we're uh, spending time with the Lord and staying focused on that very issue. Um, getting in shape with the Lord, getting in shape with the Word, and staying in shape. Uh, you don't want to uh, sacrifice that time with the Lord. You have to read the Bible, and you have to study it, and you've got to look at it on a regular basis. 
And a regular basis essentially means every day. Now, does that always happen? No, it doesn't. Um, we have, as a church, uh, proposed the two-year Bible reading plan because if you're spending any kind of time with the two-year Bible reading plan, you, first of all, you've read the Bible. You'll read the Bible in a two-year time frame, the complete Bible. You'll read Psalms and Proverbs twice during that time frame um, if you're reading uh, over a two-year period. And so you're covering a lot of ground that way. But now as you go back over that two-year plan and go back over passages, you're going back and learning maybe something more or different that the Spirit is speaking to you about that you didn't know before. So it's common sense that you want to stay with it. Now, it's great to have commentaries. It's great to have uh, works of theology that are, have been written by people. Um, and devotions are great, too. Devotions are great, too, because that's an increase in also an increase in your study and knowledge as well, too. But there's no substitute for knowing God personally. How do you do that? You've got to be praying. You're a praying person. You're praying over what you've read when you've studied the Word. You are spending time meditating on that Word, spending time in the Word. It's going to take time to do that. Now, we've made it as simple as possible by saying that you can do a two-year Bible plan and read for about seven to ten minutes and then take the additional time, another ten minutes or so, uh, to meditate on what you've read because it's important for you to spend that time. Remember, one of the first things that it talks about, it's talked about in Scripture in, in Psalms is about meditating on God's Word day and night, spending time in the Word, and that's a very, very important thing to do. And we won't get into too much about meditation right now because that takes up a lot of time. But we're not talking about meditating as in saying om or something like that. We're talking about meditating on his word as in spending time over it, going over it, pouring over it, allowing the spirit to speak to you during that time frame. Because it's one thing to just read the word and then get up and go and get on your way. You need to spend some time in it as well, too. So the question I have, and it's a question I think that most of us will answer honestly, is that, you know, do you really know God? Do you know him or do you just know about him? It's one thing to know, one thing about reading scripture, we have a lot of people who know and memorize scripture, but we don't, they don't know about God. There's a big difference. There is a big, big difference. They're reading and hearing and understanding what the scripture says, but now what about the relationship portion of that uh, uh, interaction? What about the relationship Read the Gospels to see the life of Jesus on earth and get to know him more. That is a great way to start. If you don't know where to start, if you're trying to tell somebody, where do I start? Where do I look at in Scripture? Take him right to the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Take him right to that, uh, that place. They need to learn more about who Jesus Christ is. And if we learn more about Jesus, if we learn more about who he is, his character, his word, which he introduces himself, he even goes back and quotes Old Testament scripture, uh, within that time frame, you'll be able to see uh, how he can change your life. He will indeed change your life. I know of people who have had interaction. A lot of people will have equated what's happened this year, uh, 2020, the year of the year of uh, uh, 2020 vision, as a, a year uh, of, of great. Um, knowledge and wisdom and understanding because they are looking at what God is doing in this world today. And a lot of people have professed to either come to a saving knowledge of Christ this year or have a greater understanding than they had before the year started about where God fits in this whole picture. So I challenge you that you can 
take the approach that everything that's happening is absolutely the worst thing that can possibly happen. Uh, and I'm going to challenge you and say it is not that at all. Um, there is a lot of good that is happening right now today. Um, and that good, frankly, is about the good for understanding God's goodness, God's mercy, God's grace. There is a lot that we've had time to sit and interact and with each other, my wife and I, and, and just be able to talk about God's goodness. And he has kept us. He's protected us. He's protected our household. Um, he protected my mother, who got COVID-19 and was able to recover from it completely. And we just give nothing but the praise to the Lord Jesus Christ for that. But it hasn't been that way for everybody. We get that. We understand that. It has not been like that at all for a lot of people. So we recognize that there is a different mindset about God's goodness under those circumstances. But even in the midst of tragedy or suffering or difficulty, God will find a way to penetrate all of that and show you his goodness. And that is the absolute truth. That is something that um, people can, from personal experience can share that with you. Um, it's something that we just need to see sometimes. We need to experience it. So we want to make sure that we're understanding the importance. As we go through life, we've got to do the reading and studying and meditating on God's Word to help us to manage all of this craziness that's going on right now. And understand something. Um, we, ha we have to say it and remind people sometimes that everything that's happening right now is not past God. It's something that He's allowed. He's allowed it for a reason. And so if He's allowed it, we need to acknowledge it and acknowledge it for what it is. Let's drop down in the passage of Ephesians 1 to verse 18. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. So this is all about Paul wanting the people to see truth, see wisdom. And so he uses the description of the words, praying that the hearts be flooded with light. You know, there's a light, a little pin light. There's a little light that you have on the edge of a pen, of the tip of a pen. And there's a floodlight, which you put outside in your driveway. So if someone comes up and you have a timer on it, it literally illuminates the entire area in front of your garage. That's a floodlight. So he literally is using a terminology that we understand today about what light is supposed to do. He, he wants the brightest light possible to be involved in giving them understanding. And it has to be in the heart. It has to be the heart uh, issue. A person has to may know the word, but now it has to be put into that person's heart. And there has to be understanding that comes with that. And you need to, what is he asking for them to understand? The confident hope. He is given to those he's called. That's us. He is letting us know that we have hope in Christ. Um, it's definite that we want to make sure that there is something to look forward to. There is something to be positive about. There is something that we can look forward to, and it, it may not be necessarily here on earth. It may be the eternal hope that we're looking at here. Um, and you have to have the confidence that you know that you're going to be with Christ when you leave here. There are certain things you have to do 
to get to that point, you have to acknowledge who Jesus Christ is, of course. But we need to understand that God keeps all of his promises. You have a victory. And that certainty is going to come through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. We need the Spirit to help teach us these things. So uh, Paul is praying for the Ephesians to be flooded with light of wisdom and understanding, to understand the hope that Christ brings to us. I'm going to take a look at a passage to expound upon that hope a little bit. Um, there are a number of passages. You, um, if, you, if you have a pen you want to drop, jot these down and look at these on your own, you can. Romans 8, 23, 24, Ephesians 4, 4, Colossians 1, 5, 1 Thessalonians 1, 3. But we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. Because I think in this example, it's going to be the best way to... Uh, see what we're talking about when it looks at when we're talking about uh, having a good hope because there's going to be things that are happen to us where you know you're going to be challenged sometimes by what you believe and you're going to be challenged by what is presented to you in life and that challenge may be from an individual or that challenge may be in circumstances so you're going to be challenged because you're living in a worldly domain but there is always reason for you to maintain and keep up your hope. So let's look at 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Uh, this is English Standard Version. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. There's the key word hope. Yet do it with gentleness and respect having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. And then verse 17, for it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. You understand that sometimes it is God's will that we suffer, but it's for his glory it's for his recognition, and that's sometimes something we have to go through. And nobody wants to go through any suffering. That's not the issue here. We want to always avoid, we always try to avoid suffering if we can. If we get a headache, we take a, a something for it. We don't like suffering, but there are some times and there are events in life where we do suffer. And we don't understand that all that suffering. So, But go back to what it says again in, in, first, in first Peter 3, verse 15. Honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Because people should still be able to see the hope that you live through and live for. They should still be able to see the love of Christ in your life as you interact with them. That's something that um, a person who's in the world who does not love the Lord, you don't see any hope in their life. You see a bunch of um, dread, boredom, um, basically individuals who are really struggling personally. Now, if you know someone like that in your life, guess what? It is your responsibility to pray for that person. Pray for that person to have a turnaround and get out of that situation. And even believers uh, have a hard time sometimes going back to this hope. Remember, it's the desire of Paul to pray that they understand what they're dealing with, understand what they're going through. 
when not everybody understands it. And sometimes we don't understand it, but we pray and continue to seek God for knowledge in this area. Okay. Let's continue. Let's go back to Ephesians 1, verse 19. And let's look at verses 19 and 20 for this particular section. I pray that you, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Ah, that's an interesting way of phrasing that. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So now we're speaking specifically about God's power. How powerful do you think God really is uh, in this day and time? He is all-powerful. He is all-powerful. Um, Christ, we belong to the God of the universe who created everything seen and unseen. That's the type of power we're talking about. We're talking about the uncreated creator. He is the one who has created everything, and we are in his created realm. We are his creation as well. And so we need to understand that he has an incomparable power. And that power is not power that just sits on a throne and doesn't make himself available. That power is available right now through every believer, we have to say every believer, with the indwelling Holy Spirit. He is giving us and recognize, giving us access to his greatness and great power by how he communicates with us. Isn't it amazing how he gives us the ability? He, he speaks to us in whisper tones and, and tones in our own minds, and he speaks to us directly. And sometimes it's audible for some people, but in many ways it's just speaking directly to you into, the, into your mind and giving you wisdom and insight about his goodness. And, hey, no matter what's going on in the world today, greatest takeaway from this section here in 19 and 20 is that there's nothing too difficult for God. There's nothing too difficult for him. There's nothing, like I said before, that it gets past him. He is indeed all-powerful. So recognizing that we are worshiping and praising a God that is all-powerful is very, very important. We don't want to take go too fast here and understand that you can make God as big or as small as you want to based upon your life and your circumstances and based upon your own flesh. So we need to understand that uh, he can be as big or as small as you want him to be. That doesn't change who he is, but you can have an impact in how much attention you give to him, how you're developing your relationship with him, how much time you're spending in the word with him. That would be a very, very small God. And you need to understand that we are challenged as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that we have to really seek after him and get to know him much, much better. In, in many cases, much, much better than we ever thought we would have ever known him. And I've been a believer now for over 30 years, uh, going on 35 years. And it's very important for me to understand that I still have a lot to learn too. Um, and all of us do. So we need to keep that in mind as we look at this. Now let's drop down further in the passage. Verse 21. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Which is exactly what I was saying before about God's power. 
not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. Now, this is a very general statement for any believer who looks at this and understands what Paul is saying by being prayerful for others that they gain this knowledge and gain this understanding as they go along, as they move forward. You know, some of us are pondering um, life changes. This is something that's been going on all year long, right? We look at life and what we've been going through and we wonder, are we doing the very things that God would call us to do? And it's a very healthy thing to do that. It's a very healthy thing to evaluate that. But you're doing that when and how. When you're seeking God and having a relationship with him and having regular, daily, maybe even hourly conversations about where you are right now in your life. A very, very healthy thing to do. And we need to understand that because God is all-powerful, he has the authority to open doors and pave the way for you. If he's giving you direction to go in a different way, then go that way and not worry about all the extra details. God will give you exactly what he wants you to have if you are open to it and you're ready to do it. Now, that can make some people feel very comfortable, and that can make really weird some people out. Um, this whole thing about faith and trusting in the Lord, um, sometimes you've got to take your flesh out of it and make sure that you're understanding that what God is doing for you and doing to you is teaching you all through this whole process. You're being given instruction. It's not just about doing something. It's about doing something, but doing it in such a way where you're honoring God. And he is allowing you to be your best person, be the best that you can be in those situations. We need to understand his authority. He has full authority. He has full authority here. He has a full authority uh, in the world to come, which is where we want to be. We want to be there. We, all, we know that we have a certain number of days here, and then we want to be, we're going to be in his kingdom for those who know the Lord Jesus Christ. But he has complete authority, so he is worth following when it comes to keeping his promises now he made this whole uh, mention to the ephesian church because remember they're coming from a background of paganism so we want to make sure that there's complete understanding as who christ is now uh, between you and me um, we at some point before we became uh, believers in the lord jesus christ we had a paganistic practice ourselves um, so we've had to learn exactly who christ is uh, this is something that should not, it's not about pointing fingers, oh, oh those, those Ephesians, they were a bunch of pagans before. I mean, that would be ridiculous to do that because before we knew the Lord Jesus Christ, we did everything, anything and everything outside of God's will and God's purpose. And God was gracious enough to save us. Gracious enough to save us. So he's explaining to the Ephesian church that Christ is now the head of the church. He is the ultimate authority. Jesus is the Messiah, God's anointed one, the one that Israel had longed for. The, all the conversation about the, the coming of the Messiah in the Old Testament has been realized, and now the Ephesian church was actually experiencing that. God's anointed one, the one Israel longed for, the one who had set their broken world right. Remember, that's what the 
the Old Testament prophecy was all about. And the expectation was that Jesus Christ was going to set things and make things right. They didn't know who Jesus Christ was. They just knew the coming Messiah would do that. And that's exactly what Christ has done. He has fixed a broken world. The broken world is what? A sinful world. A world where uh, the whole idea of sacrifice and going to God with sacrifice and shedding the blood of animals or skin or maybe giving spices or whatever it was uh, as a way to honor God, well, that was an imperfect way. It basically showed the need to uh, recognize who God was, but Jesus is our perfection in this area. We can be confident that God has won the final victory and is in control of everything. Do you feel that? Do you believe that? Are you confident uh, that God has taken care of business? He is in control of everything. Um, take your eyes off of what the world is doing right now. The world has all kinds of stuff going on where Satan is doing exactly what Satan will do. He will take non-believers and believers out of focus as to what is really important right now. And you've got to see that. You've got to understand that. We don't need to fear any dictator. We don't need to fear any nation. We don't need to fear death. We don't need to fear Satan. Um, Satan, we might lose our lives, but we understand that we've been sealed with, through the blood of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit as the eternal seal. And frankly, right now, we're just waiting for a short time, whatever that time is, a time and times, whatever that, the, however you want to describe that, where we will experience victory. We will be delivered to, directly to the Father. Go to Romans uh, chapter 8, verses 37 through 39. That's the last three verses in Romans. And make sure that you understand that we already have the victory. And I think a lot of us sometimes don't play to win. Sometimes we play not to lose. Do you understand that way of uh, thinking? Uh, playing not to lose is not playing to win. Uh, because ultimately, you're not being aggressive and confident in God's goodness. You are more tentative in your actions. And you're still distracted by what's going on in the world today. Now, I, I'm just going to implore you once again, because I think it's really important for you to understand this. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I have no problem with anybody getting notifications of what's going on, but turn off the news and the TV and understand that they peddle bad news to dispirit people sometimes. And I'm, you may agree or disagree with that. It has nothing to do with anything out of the Bible, but we do know that the, the Lord uh, sometimes allows Satan to do things to distract us, to challenge us, to help us to recognize the importance of what we're going to read here in Romans 8.37. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Do you live as a conqueror? Do you live as one who is more than a conqueror? For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation, in all creation, 
will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's playing to win. That is not playing not to lose. I won't dwell on football analogies too much, but uh, everybody hates when a team is ahead and they play prevent defense, which allows basically a team to just go down the field. It's a, it's a dumb defense. Uh, the much more aggressive defense is for you to go after the quarterback and pressure him into making mistakes. And that's always the best defense to play. I never believe in prevent defense. Prevent defense is the equivalent of playing not to lose. Playing to win is going after um, uh, the quarterback and taking him out or doing whatever you have to do or making solid tackles and all those things. Uh, that's how you win. That's what winning is. And when it comes to winning in Christ, we need to make sure that we are living in such a way where we are more than conquerors. Jesus Christ has done all the work for us. He has conquered sin. He has conquered death. He has conquered all those things that we are fearful of and had been fearful of. Uh, he is the one who's the great physician. He's the great healer. There are so many things that he does. We need to live in such a way where we recognize that he truly is God uh, who is over, has complete authority over everything. Okay. On the home stretch here, want to finish up with, uh, if you have any questions about this, you can certainly mention or we welcome your comments uh, anywhere in uh, this area as well too or just ask some very general questions. We'll be happy to try to answer them for you. Going down to verse 22, Ephesians 1. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is the body. Church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Now, what he is trying to emphasize here, because God has a complete authority over the church through Jesus Christ, Christ has the authority. He's the head of all things. It is for the church's benefit. Um, we have a close relationship with Jesus Christ because we are his church. He has taken his church. We are his adopted children uh, as Gentiles in the church. That's the, the takeaway from that. We are his adopted children. Uh, we are in his family because of the, his being head over the church. It is his body made full and complete. So we need to understand that this fullness that we're talking about here is being referred to Christ filling the church. And what does he do for the church? He gives gifts. He gives blessings. He gives us the ability to understand how he wants us to live for him, how to serve him, not just as a church, but as individuals. We've been gifted and talented by God to do different things for his kingdom. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ. We all have different talents and abilities that come together for the purpose of serving him. So when you're looking at Ephesians, it's important to remember that it's written not primarily to the entire church. Uh, it was written to the entire church, excuse me, uh, not just to an individual, but it's also written for us too, if you really think about it. We, we need to understand that we have a role within the body of Christ to live in such a way where we're honoring him and praying for other people. What is Paul been doing this entire passage, praying for the church, praying for the individuals to get wisdom and knowledge, praying for insight. That's your role. Your role is to be prayerful for the pastor and the pastor's family, 
um, that for, for number one, that they're being protected uh, from Satan's attacks because that's who Satan goes after. They go after the leaders. They go after people who in authority. Um, praying for them for protection, but praying for them to stand firm in the word and remain faithful. Now, you might think that's a weird prayer. I guarantee you there's a lot of churches right now and a lot of pastors who are not standing firm in the word. They are getting caught up in the world. And they have worldly responses to these issues that are taking place. And that's unacceptable. It's unacceptable in the body of Christ to allow the world to creep in and to have influence in such a way where we're no longer praying and working directly with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are now following what the world would have us to do, which is absolutely contrary to God's word. If anybody has anything to show me something different, um, you can do that, but I'm going to challenge you that you're not going to find it. Uh, every time we went into, every time you look in the scripture and look at David and look at other characters in, in the scripture, and they have a worldly response, it usually leads to a disaster. And that's really what we need to always have a takeaway about, about. If it's a matter of just being faithful and serving the Lord, it's going to be blessed. It's going to be recognized by Jesus. So understand that. If we're, Christ is the head, and he is, we are the body of his church. And we need to understand that. One more passage to look at. Colossians 3.15. Colossians 3.15. If you're looking for ways, one of the things I've been doing and emphasizing more in prayer lately is slowing ourselves down as you pray and allowing the Spirit to speak to you because that's really important. I've learned that I have to slow myself down. When I am speaking sometimes, I will speak in such a way where I'll actually start tripping over my words because my mind is sometimes thinking ahead and that's when I'm, I need to slow myself down. And I challenge you that that's a good way for you to also uh, be prayerful. Because when you see anything around you where there's anything but peace, uh, I, I pray that you don't live in a family that's dysfunctional. Um, that's hard. That's a hard existence. But there is still a remedy for that. The remedy is to look at Colossians 3.15 and be reminded of what God does through Jesus Christ. And the, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Wow, be thankful. Be thankful that the peace of Christ is there, no matter what is going on in the world, no matter what's going on in your household, no matter what's going on in your personal situation. Amen. That's, um, it's very important for us to see that. Amen, Angie. I see you. I hear what you're saying. Slow yourself down. <laughs> Slow yourself down. You, I, it has really helped me personally immensely uh, just to recognize the importance of doing that. And I say that because I give emphasis when we're living in God's image about meditation and looking at the aspect of reading God's word and then meditating on it. You've got to slow yourself down to do that very thing. You can't just rush along and say, what was I was reading, what was I was reading, and you're working on something else. Well, then you're, now you're distracted. You can't do that. You've got to slow yourself down and just stop and reflect upon what you've been studying. That's how you develop your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, we're going to uh, stop here. We're going to pray uh, because we are, our time is up. 
But I hope you got a lot out of those nine verses that we covered today in Ephesians chapter 1 at the end. We'll be moving into Ephesians 2 next time. Remember, unity in Christ, thanksgiving and prayer. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for your very, very presence. We thank you, Lord, for helping us to understand the importance of quieting our souls, quieting our hearts, allowing you to speak to us. There are so many worldly distractions that take our focus off of your goodness, your grace, your teaching, the things that you would have us to learn and understand. Lord, we have to be reminded if you you speak to us, we have to stop and listen. We want to be able to hear you. We thank you for the reminders of your goodness in this passage. We thank you for the reminders that you are Lord over all. You have control over everything. And there's nothing that can defeat us as long as we recognize you as our personal Savior. We thank you, Lord, for these promises. We thank you for your teaching. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today, everyone. Uh, Once again, a reminder, we are outside today at church. Hope to see you at 11 o'clock. We will be broadcasting this on Facebook Live as well, too. God bless you all. I know that some have dived off right now because they're headed to church. Uh, We look forward to seeing you again next time. God bless you all. You take care. And uh, we give praise to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks again.